and I'm asking us to do the great reset where we actually just decide that in our dealings, large and small, we decide in this moment, unequivocally, I'm going to chase the things of the kingdom, big K, for the rest of my life. And then I can expect that all other things will be added unto me. Well, g'day and welcome back to the podcast. I certainly appreciate you. And if you're enjoying these and I'm getting tons of messages, I'm getting messages, I'm getting DMs, private messages, emails, people telling me that they're getting a lot of value from these. So if you are, do me a favor and share these with your friends. You could just grab the URL, flick it out via SMS or, or forward out an email you get from us. But I would love it if you would help me share what we're doing here on these podcast episodes. All right, so the title for this one is The Wealth of the Wicked. The Wealth of the Wicked. And we're going to be looking at the, the scripture, Proverbs 13.22, kind of 13.22b. Um, and then we're going to extrapolate what that looks like in the New Covenant and put it into the context of the marketplace. So Proverbs 13.22 says, and you'll know this one, it says, A good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. That's part A. And then it goes on to say, but the wealth of the wicked is stored up for the righteous. The wealth of the wicked is stored up for the righteous. That's really good news for us. Really good news for us. Um, as long as we're on the side of the righteous. Now, you might be thinking, well, of course, I'm part of the righteous. I'm a Christian. But it doesn't say that the wealth of the wicked is stored up for the Christian. It says the wealth of the wicked is stored up for the righteous. And we might actually have to look internally a little bit about whether our actions, our deeds, our intent is righteous. All right. One of my motivations for doing these, or all of these episodes, you know, um, is, is so that I can kind of throw my hat in the ring and do my two cents. I mean, obviously, there's a ton of people doing podcasts and, and, and many of them are excellent. I'm just one voice in amongst thousands uh, of amazing voices out there that are teaching. So, um, and I just want to contribute. But one of the things that I really enjoy doing is, I guess, giving us a little preview into the kingdom of God for the marketplace specifically. And even better if I could achieve it would be just to kind of explore the character of God even more through each of these. Because when you explore the character of God, you can't but fall in love with him, right? So so I, when I do these, I hope to just break something open a little bit so that you can get a handle on and make really practical the things of the kingdom, but also see a, a facet of God that you haven't seen before and then of course he'll come alive for you. That's really what I'm hoping to do and on this particular one we're going to do that through I guess wealth but wealth to expose kingdoms and uh, and so I'll see how we go with it. All right so the way that I look at it right there's two kingdoms at war in this earth. There's kingdom with a big K right that's God's and there's kingdom with a little k, and that's everything else. The devil's, ours, our own self-interest, like all those sort of things, right? There's, there's maybe, maybe two cultures at war would be another way to put it, right? There's, there's the culture that God wants in the kingdom, and there's this culture of this earth. And they are diametrically opposed. Um, and so, so I'm going to talk about these cultures because that's our operating system, but through the lenses 
of wealth. Wealth is never the end game, right? Wealth is just a wonderful way to explore who we truly are and get a handle on the kingdom of God. Like it's, it's a very good way for us to see it. But please, please understand, wealth is not the answer. Wealth is not the answer. Salvation is the answer. The kingdom of God on the earth is the answer. Wealth is just one little avenue for us to be able to do it. But for us as marketplace people, it's the area that we probably have the greatest amount of influence over. So we better study it and we better learn. So I want to talk firstly about, you know, through the lenses of wealth, like what's the kingdom of this world? What can we learn about what the Bible says about things that aren't right? Like, let's put it into this context. The wealth of the wicked. I want, I want us to see a picture of how the wicked handle wealth and how the righteous should handle wealth. And then you can wrestle with where you're sitting amongst all of that. And obviously the ultimate game is for more of, a, more of us to be on the righteous side because once we're positioned as righteous, then, then the transfer of wealth from the w- wicked to us will happen. If we're not on the righteous side, then there'll be no transfer of wealth, right? Because the transfer of wealth is from the wicked to the righteous. So let's have a look at the wicked first. What are some examples of this, right? And, and none of these will be new to you, but, but I just want to run through them so that you can get a picture. You, you, know, you know the story of the tax collectors, right? And, and we read about a few of them. Um, you know, Zacchaeus is obviously one that's incredible. And then there's Levi, Matthew. And what was the problem though, right? So here's what's really interesting about the, the time and era of the day, the Roman Empire, the tax collectors, the citizens, and the huge amount of oppression that came with that. See, the taxes, collecting of the taxes was outsourced, right? It was outsourced to these private people who collected taxes on behalf of the Roman Empire, but marked them up. So not only were there taxes, but these people were adding margin on top of the taxes for themselves, so, you know, for every, and we don't know exactly what this markup is, but, you know, for example, for every dollar, you know, and pound or, or ruble or whatever currency you're watching from, for, you know, for, for every one dollar, they might have been going, okay, well, we're going we're gonna to charge a dollar twenty in our taxes and I'll pass the dollar back up to Rome because that's what they're asking for and I'll take a 20, 20 cent clip of the ticket, right? So not only were the taxes unbearable, but they marked them up right? For their own self-interest and for their own self-gain, they were marking up tax collectors. I mean, imagine if they did that in your world and my world. Like, we have a government agency who collect taxes, but they haven't outsourced it to another mob who, who, who then charge a margin on top and get to keep all the margin, right? Which is what the Roman Empire did. And, and all of that is because everybody's taking a clip of the ticket and putting the masses in oppression, right? Which is, which is why they're part of the wicked. What about... Um, what about when, when they were selling animals, all right? So, so, you know, the reason why they sold animals was because if you had to come from a faraway journey, right, and you had to bring animals for sacrifice, well, it was a nightmare, right? You know, you can imagine walking with a cage with three doves in it, right, or, you know, whatever. It's like that, that, if you've got to go on a long journey, that would be a bit of a nightmare. So what they did was they said, okay, well, you leave yours back where you are. You can come and buy one from us and use it as your sacrifice, right? Super convenient, but then they just charged a massive premium for these because they could, all right? And of course, you know, we know what happens there. Um, you know, we, we see people selling miracles, right? You know, like, you know, you'll be cleansed, but you have to kind of pay for it, 
right? You know, th this is how the wicked operate. Like, like, like we're just going to charge you for kindness. We're going to charge you to do the right thing, right? I need to profit at your expense to do the right thing. This is the wicked. You know, ultimately, you know, the Bible talks about the love of money. The love of money is storing it up for yourself. The love of money is essentially like, like I need to get away with doing as little as possible so I can do it myself. And we see a classic example of the wealth of the wicked when we see Jesus address um, the moment that he catches people tithing. Okay? Now, of course, we, we know it's the wicked because of the way they did it. They were so strict on their tithing because they didn't want to do it. They didn't want to give any away. They wanted to keep as much as they possibly could for themselves. So they would literally get their cumin leaves and count them out, right? One for me, two for me, three for me, nine for me, one for God. One for me, two for me, three for me, nine for me, one for God. They were so strict. And that's why Jesus bowls in and says, well, you're doing that right, but why would you do that when you forget the weightier things of the kingdom, like caring for somebody, like actually being kind, like being your brother's keeper? So, so, so here we get a picture of what the wealth of the wicked looks like. You know, and ultimately, what did that all mean? Why were they marking up taxes? Why were they selling animals? Why were they selling miracles, right? Why were they withholding at every opportunity but ticking the box to look good? Because ultimately they wanted to live in opulence and lord it over the people. That was, that was the end game, to be part of an elite agenda that uses wealth to hive myself away, right? I don't need any of you guys. Uh, I can just live in my own world. I'm, I can be self-sufficient. I can be independently wealthy, we would say today. And I can hive myself off from society. And, 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 I, and I don't know whether you've worked it out, but every single one of those stories that I said to you, they were the Pharisees. They were supposed to be representing God's people, which is why he had so much disdain for them. Because the people that were oppressing the people the most were the people that were supposed to reflect the kingdom of God the most, and yet you couldn't get any different. And God absolutely hates it when, when people you know, uh, extort wealth from others or use wealth to, uh, to oppress others. And he hates it even more when it comes from believers. And so even in the world around us today, there are people who are Christian who are operating in a modern day version of the same thing. They're just, they're just oppressing the masses to build wealth for themselves so they can hive themselves off in their ivory towers and call themselves blessed. That really upsets the Lord more than, more than somebody who doesn't know God ripping people off. When, some, when it's godly people that are ripping others off, when they're on the side of the wicked, Man, there's a, there's, there's a certain disdain from the Lord that, that's held for those people. So that's the thing, right? And, we've got to, and you're sitting there and you're probably thinking, well, I don't mark up any taxes and I don't, I don't sell any animals and I don't, I don't sell miracles. No, but you've got to look at the heart intent behind it. The heart intent behind the people that operate under the wealth of the wicked was self-interest, me over you. I don't care what you get as long as I get more. I don't need you and I want to be separate from you, right? You're part of the thing and I want to be elite. And I would say to you that there is a hint of that in all of us that we may need to root out. Hey, sorry to butt in, but I need you to subscribe to the show. If you're watching on YouTube, subscribe and hit the bell. If you're listening to the podcast, do me a favor, share, comment, like. 
See, I'm the one paying the bills around here. We don't have these fancy sponsors that roll in. It's me, I'm paying the bills. And in return, I would love it if you would help me. Subscribe, like, share. All right, let's get back to the show. What does the Bible say about the opposite? Let's move on from the wicked because, you know, I've just basically judged you of being wicked to some small degree. So please do with that as you may. What does the Bible say about how to act righteously? Because there's just as many stories that give us the picture of the other side of the kingdom, right? The wealth of the wicked is stored up for the righteous. How do we make sure that we're righteous so that we can be part of that transfer of wealth? Well, we can see a whole bunch of other transactions that take place, right? You've got You've got a coin that's in a fish's mouth. So when it comes time to paying, you know, to Caesar, it's like because he was on task doing what the Lord wanted him to do, a miracle took place and he didn't have the money, but he was able to find the money. There is supernatural provision. There is a transfer of wealth. There is a supernatural provision when you are doing the thing God wants you to do. That's a bit of a handle on understanding finances. What about Zacchaeus, right? We know the story of Zacchaeus. He was a little man. He... he, he he was the chief tax collector, which means he was taking a clip off the tax collectors that took a clip off oppressing the people, right? So you can see the people are paying taxes to Rome and then the local tax collectors taking his clip and then Zacchaeus is taking a clip as well, right? It's like, it's like no wonder there's a huge amount of oppression. And Zacchaeus, a little man up in a tree, sees Jesus, says, I'm, I want to eat with you. Or, you know, they, they have a big lunch. And interestingly, Zacchaeus brings all, all his other tax collector mates and, and, uh, and they all have this massive revelation of the love of God. Completely, Jesus basically completely bankrupts their entire system in one dinner, right? You know, and, and, and Zacchaeus actually says in scripture, I will give back four times what I stole. I will give back four times what I stole. What's the difference? He was once on the side of wicked. He has now caught the revelation of the oppression that he brought to people and why that was a systemic problem. And he's now caught the concept of, I need to prefer others over myself, so I'm going to pay back four times what I stole. You talk about understanding the heart of the kingdom with a big K through the lenses of wealth. It wasn't about the money. He caught the heart of the kingdom of God and it played out in his money that he wanted to make sure that other people prospered even if it was at his own expense. All right, what about this? In Acts 20, 35, we see this one. It is more blessed to give than to receive. It is more blessed to give than to receive. And I don't know about you, but... You know, when it comes to Christmas Day in my house, there's like, you know, lots and lots and lots and lots of presents under the tree. I've got three young kids. Um, and, um, you know, and, and it comes to a gift for me and I appreciate it. But the feeling of opening a gift for me is nowhere near as good as watching one of my little girls open up a gift and see her face light up, right? It's more blessed to give than it is to receive. It's probably the same for you. But it's interesting for me because, again, we're using money to expose the culture of an opposing kingdom. It's more blessed to give than to receive, which means, which means that you, must be, you need to be more interested in others than you are interested in yourself. See, whereas the Pharisees, the wicked people, they were more interested in themselves and couldn't give two hoots about anybody else. But in the kingdom of God... It's you will happily go without if you can see somebody go with because you're adding to their life, contributing to their life, and you want to see them win even at your own expense. All right, what about this? In Matthew 20, 1 to 16, we, we see um, it's a parable that's talking about fairness 
which is the culture of the kingdom of God, but it uses money to explain it. Right, and we see the story about paying wages, and it's about a farmer who needs some workers and so forth, and he pays, you know, he pays money for different times of the day. That bit's not really the important part. The bit I want to pick out of that story is that the owner of the vineyard actually paid the people according to what they needed, not according to how little he could get away with. He paid the people over and above to make sure that they prospered for the day, even though he could have paid them a whole lot less because they worked less amount of time. So forget whether you think that's fair or not as a dealing. The heart behind it is, I want to see people prosper in my business dealings. Take that to 2022 and in the businesses that we run, and, and I'm sympathetic to the fact that in a startup, there's not a lot of money, so you have to be a bit careful. All of that's real. But actually, the heart of the kingdom of God is that if you could get somebody to work for you for less, you should find a way to pay them more over time because you actually need to make sure that they're okay. And whereas you might have been able to withhold a little bit for yourself, when you're more interested in others than you are in yourself, then you attract the favor of heaven and you can get a coin out of a fish's mouth supernaturally. So actually the intent of preferring others over ourselves feels like we're missing out in the short term. I'm gonna go without because I'm paying them a little bit more than I could get away with. But actually in doing that and operating with the culture of heaven, you unlock a supernatural benefit and you will get provision that you could never have organized yourself. And please, if I could get anything through to you on this podcast, it's this. By doing it the kingdom way, it always feels like you're gonna lose. It feels like a short-term pain. It feels like you miss out, and you do. But actually, you unlock favor of heaven that'll you know, open a window and pour out a blessing that you can't contain. I'm a testament to it, right? And I hope to be for the rest of my life, right? That actually, you don't miss out. There will be provision and explosion from left and right that you never could have organized because it's supernatural, because that's what God does. And you'll end up with more than you ever went without. What about this? Um, you know, the, the Bible says if somebody asks for your coat, give them your coat and your tunic. Like actually go above and beyond. Go above and beyond for people. You know, in the story of the Good Samaritan, he was ready to help and he didn't just give kind words and he didn't just give them a pat on the back and he didn't just help them in the moment. He actually went on to say, and by the way, tend to them and whatever the bill is, I'll come and settle it. He didn't just use kind words. He didn't just give some time. He gave kind word time and money to make sure that that person got restored. If I can summarize all of those, all of those stories are money related, but they're actually heart related. Money's just the avenue to see the greater picture. The heart of all of those stories is when you prefer others over yourselves, when you're prepared to lay your life down to see somebody else benefit, when you're actually happy to go without so that somebody else can go with, then actually you unlock a supernatural journey. And that supernatural journey is Proverbs 13, 22, which is the wealth of the wicked has been stored up for the righteous. That transfer of wealth only happens when you operate in your daily dealings, the big and the little, in such a kingdom way that the Lord can say, aha, here's somebody that I can drive wealth to 
because actually the wealth is not for them and so forth, it won't ruin them, which means I can get a lot of wealth to them because I can get it through them without corrupting them. And that right there, one, it, it, you know, if we could all start to grasp the power actually of operating in kingdom, big K, in, in the big and the little dealings every single seven minutes in our businesses, and we posture ourselves in preferring others over ourselves, then we will be unstoppable as humans and unstoppable as a force for good in the marketplace. All right, so, so a couple of points. Number one that we can take from this is if you prefer others over yourselves, then you position yourself to be part of the transfer. Uh, you need to be prepared to be generous at all times, prepared to help people, whether that's friend or stranger, which is amazing from the Samaritan. And if you're kingdom driven with a big K and not kingdom driven with a little K, my kingdom, my interest, my things, maximize my own outcomes, maximize my own wealth at the expense of somebody else. If you're, if you're kingdom driven big K, then you're positioning yourself to be part of the transfer of wealth. Here's, here's, how I will, here's how I'll wrap this up. Matthew tells us that at the end of time, Jesus is going to come back and he's going to divide, he's going to divide the world into sheep and goat nations, which is amazing, right? I can, I can just see that picture right now. Two paddocks, right? You know, sheep in this one, goat in that one, right? You over there, you over there, you over there, you over there, you over there. And then we know what happens, right? One gets to live with him in eternity and one's far from him in, for eternity, right? We know that story. But it's interesting for me how we sit here in 2022 and if God's going to be coming back to separate sheep and goat nations, here's the reality. There's not one sheep nation in the world today. <laughs> so, so we've got a long way to go because there needs to be some sheep nations for him to be able to divide out sheep and goat nations and yet there isn't one. How good is that that we've got a lot of work to do? But let me take that one step deeper. I don't think we can expect to see sheep nations if we don't start with sheep people, meaning that the kingdom starts within me as an individual before I can ever expect it to be the people around me. I, I can't expect Australia for me, because that's where I live, or the US or UK or wherever you are in the world. I can't, we can't expect the nation to change if it doesn't start within us as individuals, right? That's abdicating. If I'm expecting Australia to become a sheep nation and I'll follow and not actually letting the culture of the kingdom of God start inside of me and then manifest out and leak out and hopefully touch a nation, it's never going to happen. And so that's the reason why I wanted to talk about this because I'm like, it's so easy in a world of millions and millions and millions of competing messages of just look after yourself, blood's thicker than water, right? You know, just look after your own, right? Screw anybody as long as you get ahead. In, in a world of corruption, it's so easy to either be, be like the wicked or sit on the fence and be like neither. But that's not what we're asked to do. We're asked to be on the side of righteousness, which means that our dealings all day, every day, need to be focused on advancing the kingdom of God before they're ever focused on advancing the kingdom of self. Ironically, you're allowed to have nice things while you live on earth. That's the that, that, that is one of the, one of the most beautiful things about this. You are allowed to have 
You're allowed to have a nice home. You're allowed to have investments. You're allowed to have wealth. You're allowed to have cars. You're allowed to have watches. You're allowed to have nice custom-made suits. You can have all of those things. But they are seeking second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, and seventh. You can only seek first, though, the kingdom of God. You can't seek first your own kingdom and give kingdom of God a little bit. That's not how it works if you want to be part of this. And so I want to talk about that culture on this episode because I feel like with a million messages, like I said, it's so easy to comply to the world system and start to get a little bit of Babylon inside the kingdom, which means a little bit of leaven ruins the whole dough. It's so easy to get a little bit of the world and let it creep in and then it germinates over time and becomes a thing. And I'm asking us to do the great reset where we actually just decide that in our dealings, large and small, we decide in this moment, unequivocally, I'm going to chase the things of the kingdom big K for the rest of my life. And then I can expect that all other things will be added unto me. All right. Well, that's the end of this episode. I hope you chew on it. I hope you dwell on it. I hope that from this, let's make this practical. I hope that from this, you can go away from here and start to dialogue with the Lord consistently every five minutes. Show me how to do this better. Show me how to do that. I've got this deal coming up. How do I live kingdom in that deal? I've got to speak to this team member about a pay rise. How do I do that? I've got to speak to this team member about letting them go. How do I do that? I'm just about to purchase this thing from a supplier. How do I do that? If we can just keep going back and, and, and seeing how all of this plays out in our individual dealings, then of course, we're going to have so much kingdom big K inside of us that it leaks out and you're going to have people coming up to you all the time and saying, why do you operate so differently? And that's going to attract people to the kingdom of God. All right, like I said at the top, it would mean the world to me if you would share this show. I'm pouring myself out here every single week, Monday morning, new episode drops for you. If you could do me any favor, it would be to share this with a friend in business. All right, I'll be back next week. Love you.